Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. Ooh, today we have another special guest. You know, Black folk on my podcast are special. I call them unicorns, okay? So we have another Black female this morning about to impact us with knowledge that usually will tend to touch your soul. So, you know, you, you didn't stop here by accident. It was very intentional. For you to click on this podcast, it was very intentional. So we're going to be talking with Miss Jaleesa Lewis Christian, and she's going to be talking to us about, you know, some stories. And um, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. And if the and if the podcast touches you, tell someone about it. Check out Jaleesa and follow her on social media, and support the work that she's doing. And that's kind of all that I can ask of you. So without further ado, Jaleesa. You just get started where you want to start and we're all ears. Okay. Well, first I want to start by saying thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast and to have this conversation. This is actually going to be my first time really telling this story. So I will be doing that specially with you. Um, But I felt like it was something that really needs to be said because there's starting to be a lot of stigma. um, Well, not necessarily starting, but I'm starting to hear more stigma around suicide. And it's actually starting to really increase. And I say that because I am actually a therapist and I'm starting to have a lot more clients who are suicidal. I'm starting to go to a lot of different trainings on suicide. And I actually used to be a worker for the suicide hotline in Georgia. I did that for about a year and a half. So it's a topic that's really important to me, but also personal because you never necessarily expect it to be you. I have always been seen as the strong person, the person that helps everybody else, you know, everybody comes to you. So when it was me, it was a complete shock for my entire world. Um, I guess I would say... I've been depressed on and off since I was a child. Um, I was molested at an early age and reported it probably when I was like 12. And that's when I first started to seek treatment for my mental health. So I've suffered with depression for a while. And that's what really led me to become a therapist because the therapists I had were terrible. (laughs) 
And I wanted to be the therapist that I needed then. I wanted to be that person that you were comfortable to come to, to talk with, that you really felt like you got some help. But in my journey of doing that and my life experiences, it really drained me even more, to be honest, Um, where I had to take several breaks over the last couple of years in my professional career to really focus on myself and my mental health. The biggest hit probably came about six years ago. I decided to, with a donor, have my own child. I was finishing my master's, you know, I felt stable. I felt like I had everything I needed. I could be a single parent. And five months in, my water broke. And I had to deliver my first and only child and watch her die. She lived for about an hour and I just kind of held her until she took her last breath. And it was kind of like really traumatic. It was a really difficult experience. And like I said, I wasn't in a relationship. I wasn't married. So this is a lot to carry. And I felt like I was never the same after. I didn't take that time to process. I didn't take that time to grieve. And it really, over the years, started to weigh me down. Um, I started a nonprofit in her honor. So I found little ways to kind of do better in that area, but I did not deal with that for a long time. And that significantly impacted me. It made me jump into relationships that were unhealthy because in my mind, I wanted a family and I needed to have a partner now to have this family because when I tried it on my own, it did not work. So I ended up in the most unhealthy, abusive marriage. My God. So I've been married for about four years, almost, and it has been a disaster. Um, Probably shouldn't, they probably won't agree, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. This is my story. Um, A lot of emotional abuse, um, manipulation, destruction of property, like driving their car into the wall, busting the windows out my car setting things on fire, um, threatening to kill themselves if I didn't come home. It just got really hectic. And so finally, there was one situation where they were breaking things and I tried to leave and they grabbed me. And for me, growing up, I witnessed domestic violence in my mom's relationships. And although I had went through all the back and forth and restraining orders and all of this kind of thing for the manipulation and the verbal abuse and the psychological abuse, I drew the line at physical. So once I was able to get out, I stayed physically out, but we stayed in contact. And there was this feeling like, you know, I have to save my marriage and, you know, or at least if we're going to get divorced. We can be cordial and, trying to be cordial just led to more disaster. They continued to manipulate the situation. Um, And usually over the last few years in May, which is the month where I lost my daughter and is also Mother's Day. So it's a really hard month for me. And these last couple of years, yes, I have really hit a depression in that month. Like I already tell people, look, 
I'm going to need some extra support. I'm going to need something. Something is going wrong. But last year, I reached my breaking point. I just couldn't imagine life without my daughter. And so I checked myself into a mental health facility in Florida. And I was there for about two weeks. And then they put me into this trauma program to try to start processing, you know, what had happened. But while I was in there, I was still going through the domestic violence. I was still getting phone calls. Um, They were trying to empty my bank account. Mind you, we don't have joint bank accounts. Nothing was shared. Trying to just find any way they could to bring me down. So treatment didn't work. So then I, I just gave up. When the financial abuse kicked in, you know, they stopped making payments as you're supposed to make when you're in the military because I had took off to get mental health treatment. Um, I felt like I didn't have anything left. I left the house to them. Um, I, like I said, wasn't working because I took off to treat my mental health. I felt like I had nothing left. And I felt like I couldn't go to anyone. No one could really understand how I felt. Especially with losing a child, it was kind of like, how are you still grieving this far into it? How are you still feeling this strongly about losing your child after all these years? I always say that it's never something that you get over. It's something you learn to live with. And at that point, I hadn't learned to live with it. And so I attempted to take my own life in my car with my pills, my antidepressants. And I was on a few different pills then. And, you know, a lot of times they prescribe you like a couple months worth. So I think I took about a hundred at least, at least a hundred pills. But I guess I didn't take the right ones, which is a good thing. Or, you know, what the way I see it, I had a purpose. It wasn't, it wasn't time. Yes. I I mean, I'm a physician. I, you know, one of these one of these episodes, I actually finally re- remember that when I was in med school over some boyfriend situation, I took some Tylenol pills. I, you know, it was, it, it, I didn't think about it until I had a guest and I don't know what we were talking about and it came out. I was like, yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Not to belittle that at all, but I just believe in my heart that we, you, I survived, you survived because we, our work is not done yet not even a little bit, not to belittle the fact that you did what you did, but I'm sure there are people who would take less that amount of the exact same medicine that you took and not survive it. Absolutely. You were just not, it wasn't time. And I'm thankful because you're here. And I tell people all the time that my podcast is about staying, it's about those that stayed. So you see that you can. You can't get past it. And it doesn't mean that all of your trauma is gone. It just means that maybe you learn to live with your trauma and your trauma becomes your friend or whatever. I don't know. You delete your trauma, however, but it it makes you who you are. You have the scars, like your warrior scars. Needless to say, you've already said a lot, even just a few minutes in. You know, the loss of a child is the and this recorded worst loss of all ever. And so you had that. And then you had supporting structures of 
trauma around it. You know, domestic violence. October is National Domestic Awareness, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You know, and then you had your own trauma from childhood that you may or may not have dealt with. And, you know, I cannot imagine. I can't even imagine. I have a sister who wanted to do uh, in vitro fertilization at one at point. She didn't end up doing it. She ended up adopting. But I know how painful it was for her. I, I know because I'm her sister. Just, just how painful it was for her. And probably still is, you know, just not, not to see to fruition. So I can, and as a pediatrician, I know what a five-month-old pregnancy does. I mean, I know the outcome. I've delivered a few in 30 years I have. So only, I want to hug you so badly. Just having to live with, deal with that. Just, oh my God. How are you doing right now, today, this morning? I'm okay, actually. Um, mm. Every day, mm. I just take it day by day, honestly. Every day is a new opportunity to make a different choice, to do something different. After everything happened, I kind of felt like my life was on reset. Hmm, that's I, a good one. I like that. That's a great one. That's powerful. That's a, I, I like the resets. Oh my God. That's the first time I've heard that too. I'm going to write that down. It's amazing. Wow. So are you still married to the other individual? Yes, I am still married to my wife. Um, she is fighting the divorce as hard as she possibly can. I filed in February of 2019. I am still married <laughs> and still waiting on the final ruling from the judge. So is that the state you is it because of the state you live in? Because I lived in South Carolina when I filed for divorce from my ex-husband and it was like you gotta be separated for a year. Oh no, we had already been separated for a year by that time. Mm -hmm. Um she just stalls, like refused to be served got served, refused to do this, refused to do that, refused to come up in the state that I'm in, that I filed for divorce, which is Georgia, you have to have a settlement agreement for it to be like an uncontested oh. and refused to come up with a settlement. We ended up actually having to do mediation a couple yeah. months ago. I had that mediation and because my ex-husband was like, <laughs> he wanted to he wanted to represent himself in court. And I think he did for like, the judge was like, no. We're not, we're not, we're not. I, and that's what I tried to do. I started to try to, you know, do it on my own. And about three months ago, I finally got tired and I felt, you know, stable enough to deal with the emotional trauma that was going to come from this. And I got a lawyer and she's amazing. I had to get a lawyer. I, I, didn't, I couldn't afford the lawyer, but I did because it was just going to be cleaner, I think is the best way to put it. It, it takes a lot of stress off of you. So much. Cost yeah. me 48 thousand dollars well thank god she's not charging me that much so I, I i wouldn't i'm not gonna and i know it's because i'm a doctor i know because i i'm still i you know that's i know that they were just they just came to just bleed me out so i know i say that all the time my my <laughs> i'm just gonna put this in here because you know i can my toyota my volvo is a 2010 c70 two door hard top convertible is cheaper than my divorce 
by about maybe one, one or 2,000 maybe, but still, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, yes. Fortunately so, enough for me, I had a friend who's also a therapist that I used to work with whose sister is an attorney. Yes. So the, the support came in and I had actually reached out to her before in 2017 when I got the restraining order, when the abuse first started. So when I came back to her, she was like, why are you still married? Yeah. Let's get this done. 2017. That's about to be four years ago, baby girl. That's about to be four years ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. So why are you, so why are you still married? We all want to know my listeners and I, we want to give us all the, <laughs> why are you still married? I blame the therapist in me. Honestly, I wanted to make it work. I, it was like, you know, all, all of these behaviors and things like that are diagnosed. Um, I had her hospitalized and assessed eventually after all the trauma. And so there's a diagnosis there. And for me, it was like, if anybody can deal with that, it should be me. Are we on medication though? You see, that's the thing. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Not necessarily. Yeah. And of course, and that's the, that's the thing. It's a system thing because they're in the military and the military says, hey, if they take certain medications, oh. they can't be deployable. Mm. So I, I tried. I've reached out to them. I tried to get help. You know, it was it was a, just really limited and a lot of pressure just put on me, like literally saying you're a therapist. Why can't you just help her? But when you're in it, you know, you don't you don't see yourself as a victim. It really took for somebody to tell me, hey, this is domestic violence. Yeah, at that point it's, it. yeah, this is you're not, you're not, you're not in a contract as far as therapy, therapist and client. You know, and if you don't leave, you're not gonna be here to be a therapist from what you've said to us a little bit. And I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as like what really happened. You absolutely, know? absolutely. But it ultimately led to my downfall oh. trying to you know, bring somebody else up, trying to heal. No, you know, that's else. what they say about if you can't swim. That's what they say about people that can't swim. You don't, you don't have any business trying to save someone who's drowning. You will literally, they will take you down. It happened to one of my cousin's friend. They went into the, the river and the guy was drowning and he tried to save the guy. He's, he did not make it. He did not make it. I don't know if the other guy made it, but he did not make it. Yeah, I had so much healing that I needed to do before I even got into that marriage that it was doomed from the start. Oh my God. Yeah, you probably probably were not even ready, so to say, you know, as far as emotionally, because it's marriage is a marriage is hard. After the honeymoon is over, it is hard. And when you have a history of depression, you know, you really have to make decisions based on your happiness. Mm. And I I didn't understand how to do that. I had always been a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how to, I didn't know what happiness even looked like for me. And it is still something that I am learning to make decisions that make me happy. So I don't get pulled back into that space that only I can get myself out of. That is so powerful. That's a powerful quote. You must make decisions that make you happy, or at least from a place of self-happiness, so to say, you know, and it's just basically the same thing about putting your mask on or just, you know, self-compassion or just being, you know, filling your cup first, you know, like, hello, you know, 
But of course, hindsight is always 2020. Now you are seeing it as, you know, but then when it was happening, you didn't. And so you need to give yourself grace for that and hopefully hold space for that person that you were then, who you still kind of sort of are because you're not really out of it yet. Exactly. Um, domestic exactly. abuses. I don't know that I've heard too much because <laughs> you're going to make me take my words back. Two days ago on my page on Facebook, I think I posted that the number one, and maybe it still is, number one cause of, number one killer of Black women is Black men. And I mean, cis and trans women. And that is the truth. And it probably mm -hmm. still is. I mean, it still is. Yeah. It's still I think definitely when it comes to same-sex relationships, it's underreported. It's you know, you. I don't think people really take it serious. I don't think people even want to talk about it. I think there's always there's already a stick. There's first of all a stigma. People think you're cray cray, and then oh no, oh no, she didn't. Oh no, what did she say? What did she just say? Child, please. We're talking about real domestic abuse here, or something like that. You know, they they belittle it. So I I can, but you're not the first. Yeah, it's like oh, you're military. both women. You're both feminine. You know. Why don't you just fight her? And how does that make sense? I lose everything that I've worked for by fighting someone. All my degrees, my license is worth nothing. All your education. My wife likes to say education. All of the education that you got. It's worth nothing. I lose it as soon as I go to jail. Oh, girl. And, you know, like everything else in life, you know, it's like I tell my kids, I said, hmm, you know, the person might be doing everything to you all day. The day you retaliate, that's the day that they're going to, they're going to, someone is going to see you retaliating and suddenly you're the bad person. And then before you know it, you're suspended from school. So please, whatever you do, just tell the teacher, <laughs> just tell the teacher, just walk away. From <laughs> okay, absolutely. This journey has taken me through different versions of myself, even, you know, after I attempted suicide while I was in the in ICU. I went back and read like the notes that they wrote on me and my medical reports. I was a different person. They thought I was violent and, you know, all these kinds of things. So they kept me medicated while they healed my body. And I was in the ICU for about four days to recover from, you know, what the medication had done. Wow. I didn't even... It takes a lot for me to have nothing to say. Like, this is like, I'm short of words. So how are you doing today? How is every, how are you today? Really? Um, I'm still healing. Mm. I feel like uh, I've made great strides. I am still, I'm back working and I love my job. It's not mm -hmm. straining me anymore. Um. The suicide hotline was a bit much. So I, had you know, to I was going to ask you about that, <laughs> that back up because I had a guest, I think a week or two ago, who also, you know, for the first time ever was a suicide hotline, I guess, operator. I was talking about cold suicide leads and I mean, broke it down, you know, 24 hours and I don't know, but I was going to ask you about that, honey. You cannot get away without, yeah, we got we to hear about that. <laughs> no, I, I, I had to, when I had my breakdown, um, I had to let it go. I had to, I had to save my mental health, preserve myself. And I realized that I didn't have the energy and the passion anymore that I needed for that job. I'm glad you said that because, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm, I'm starting to launch my life coaching business. And as much as I work with at-risk youth, mm -hmm. I really don't want to be 
a team coach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of, I almost feel like imposter because, well, this is what we all know you about. I know, but I don't want to, that's not what I want my life coaching business. I actually want to coach everybody. I know people say, if you talk about everybody, you don't talk about anybody, but I really do want to help everyone because I know I can help everyone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the need, the need to niche out is not appealing to me anymore because I'm already a book coach and a speaking coach and a parents coach and a teens coach. But I know that there are other people out there who also could need my help. And so why just limit it to this? So I can see how you would leave that, even though you probably liked it and you were saving lives and all that. But at one point, it's just like pulling you. And so I'm trying to get away from it. Like I'm trying to be pulled away from it and just say, look, Yes, you know, people People can change. Once upon a time, Oprah was working on TV station and then she had a talk show and today she has a magazine and today, I don't know what, you know, she's, you know, we have multiple facets and we can do all the things that we want to do and just allow ourselves to, what if it's okay? What if it's okay for you to do this that makes you happy? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you're doing now. Absolutely. I had to take a break and focus on myself and do something that was a little less strenuous until I got to a place where I could completely go back to therapy. Mm-mm-mm. So what were you doing in the, mean, in the meantime? Um, I'm a social worker. Uh-huh. So I'm a licensed social worker. So I went back to the basic social work part, just the case management of mental health patients and started from there and started to take more therapy patients on. Very good. How is that practice now? Is it good? It's good. Things are going well, Um, especially in today's climate with the pandemic. Everybody is super emotional and looking for somebody to help them process. Fantastic. And this is important for, for, for just based on what you're saying, it's important for Black women, Black girls, Black boys, Black people to know that there are good Black therapists. Because I won't forget what you said. You said, the therapists I had were terrible, <laughs> and 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 you went uh, you went about trying to be the therapist that you wanted. And isn't that, isn't that the ultimate form of answering a call for purpose? Absolutely. So you see why you couldn't have died with all those pills that you took, honey. That's why, because you I definitely feel like I'm here for a reason. So yes, I'm gonna do as much as I can for everyone. And tell the story so people know, you know, they're not alone. And I think that's a big thing with being a therapist. I can empathize. I can relate. I can understand a lot of the things that they've been through that got them to where they are because I've been there. And so they find it very genuine and are much more receptive to therapy than they would have been before. Like I had a client the other day. She's like, look. I've had terrible experience with therapists. They're not consistent. They're not this. They're not that. Now, I always say, look, I can't speak to the people before me. All I can do is go forward. And if you're willing to take the time and invest in me, I'll invest in you. Amen. Amen. And, you know, there's so much confidence. I don't know if you know this. I, I don't know if you know that. I know the guests can't hear, can't see you, but they can hear. There's so much confidence. I love the way you're saying it. Like you're convinced and that's what we need. Confidence. Well, the smile is the most important thing you wear on your face, but confidence is the most important clothes you put on your body. If you go with confidence, you can sell eggshells to me. That's what Obama did. 
he was so confident. I was like, I don't know who this kiddo is. When I saw him at the Democratic Convention, the very first time he spoke, even before he ran for president, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he should run for president. Like he was so convincing. His confidence, it was just through the screen. I could just, mm. and you have that. I know you probably have a plate full of woes, but you do have confidence as a therapist. I would hire you in a minute. I love it. I love your confidence. Thank so you. Just know that you got that. Just in case somebody <laughs> tell you, you do have that. In case I didn't know. Just in I, case I, you I didn't want know. All feedback. And I'm also about elevating women anyways, especially black women, because I can. <laughs> it's like, I have no, I make. Absolutely. That's a big thing in this field too. Everyone's like, hey, I need a black woman, mm-hmm. you know, because I have a someone on my team who's not black and they're like, uh, can I have someone else? You know, so I think they feel like, you know, a black woman understands where a black woman is coming from. And that relatability is really important. That's and I think that really promotes seeking treatment. And that's another thing that I really made me really want to talk about it because seeking treatment, being consistent and getting some help is what's really important to combat these kinds of feelings and thoughts. And I wasn't doing what I needed to do. Yes, ma'am. I want you to know that me, my listeners, whoever's out there, we appreciate you and just the level of, well, confidence is one, but also maturity that you've shown today. Even when you were talking about the, the domestic violence, which is what it is at this point, right? There's abuse and then there's violence. And I think I think we're at the violence part, but just the maturity with which you just comported yourself. I'm not, I was not like that. No, I was, I was about getting out and just I'm done. But you have, you know, you said to us that you try to see if you could help. That's mm-hmm. compassion. In as much as you were drowning. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, have you ever had anybody tell oh, yeah. you? Oh yeah. Yeah, because the situations, when I said I left because things became physical, mm-hmm. um, after that, like her car broke down, her engine bust, and I rented her a car. Mm-hmm. And that's how the windows in the car got bust out. She bust the windows out of the rental car after we were already separated and I had already filed for divorce. Talk about brain drama. Wow. So yeah, I was trying to heal someone when I needed to heal myself. Oh, yes. Yes, true statement. Mm-mm-mm. So, you know, I mean, just after everything that you've been through, which is a lot, how, what is the secret of how you still remain whole? Or at least you look like you do remain whole. <laughs> I always say my pieces are held together by some very important people. Not everybody has support. And I didn't feel like in that moment I had support, but I think it was like a shocker for me and for the people around me that that support has become so much stronger. Um, I have a village of some very amazing women who I can call in the middle of the night, you know, things get bad, who I can talk to whenever I need to, 
who are just there in whatever ways they can be physically, emotionally, you know, very supportive. And when it starts to feel like, you know, maybe things are going to crumble, something else happens. Oh my gosh, here we go all over again. They're there to hold me together. Amazing. A lot of people that have been on this podcast have said the exact same thing. Maybe not in as many colorful words. I have a village of very amazing women, but they've all said it's about support and connection and connection and more support. And that's kind of, that's kind of all she wrote basically. So yeah. And I think that's really important. And the big thing about that is I deal with that with clients. They're like, I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone. So that's what you reach out and you get Mm -hmm. someone, even if it's a professional, because they are there to do nothing but support and help you. Wow. Wow. Mm -mm. All right. Well, so where can the listeners find you? I mean, this is amazing. It's just been an amazing nearly one hour. Where can your listeners, our listeners find you and connect with you and try to get some of the goodies that you are serving? Well, my Facebook is Jaleesa Lewis. It's in my maiden name. Um, and my Instagram is natural beauty. And Lewis is L-E-W-I-S for anyone. Yes. Who's- yes. Okay. And my Instagram is natural beauty underscore L-I-S. So natural beauty lease. Underscore lease. Okay. Okay. And then maybe a website or no? I do have a website, but it is only for my nonprofit. Okay. Yes, you did it's say not just for me yeah, but you said, I, I thought you said you stopped with the nonprofit. Did you continue with that? Is it still in? Oh, no, no, no. My nonprofit is still running, actually, okay. all the way legit. Oh, fantastic. Oh, congratulations. So we can officially support and donate all the more reason. So what is that? What is it called? I, I didn't ask about it because I thought you said you stopped doing it. Oh, that's great. Oh, no problem. I was talking about a lot of different things. Um, it's named after my daughter, Camille. So it's K-A-M-I-L-L-E mm. cabinet. So what's the S on it? Camille's cabinet. C. Well, I don't know if I need to spell cabinet. But. Are we going to put <laughs> apostrophe or no? No apostrophe when you're doing the website. Because it's just Camille's cabinet. Cabinet.org. Yeah, C A B I N E T. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, what does it do? What does it do? What does so it So, I have designed it to be a, a pretty much a given nonprofit. The way nonprofits are set up, you have to have them tailored to a specific population. And so, mine's is tailored to homeless and low-income individuals and youth. So pretty much we do monthly donations based on need to either individuals, other agencies, or some kind of drive or event. That is amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. And I know with what's going on in the world and especially America now, no matter what the president likes or not, there are more people that have lost their jobs and are homeless and so this is such an important cause Camille's cabinet I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes but before we let you go are there any going away words you have for the listeners I would say self-care is the most important thing yeah yeah. you have to put yourself first and that is not a selfish thing amen self-care is not selfish I love that Yes, 
Very good. Yes, I definitely self care, and of course, finding a community of supporters, right, and connection. Absolutely, absolutely. And getting the having someone, even if it's just a therapist, even if it's an animal, start somewhere with support. I love that. That was amazing. That was amazing. I don't want it, I don't want this to end. I just feel like there's more. <laughs> I feel like there's more. <laughs> there's more there. But wow, it's been real. Thank you so much for sharing and. For all it's worth, you know, for all it's worth, sorry about your baby. How long ago was your, your baby? Um, she was born May 16th in 2014. So it's been six years. Oh, six years. Oh, wow. For all it's worth, you know, we're sorry. We're commiserating. We're hugging. Sending air hugs. And um, just thanking you for, for joining us this morning. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And you said you're just telling us, you're telling it to, the world for the first time. So we definitely appreciate being the first platform. I don't think we should be the last. I think you should definitely find your voice and start talking about it. You have so many avenues to talk about. If it's a nonprofit, if it's a domestic abuse, if it's, if it's child loss, if it's suicide attempt, you have a lot of angles where you can come in and, and tell your story and you've got a beautiful voice. So why not? Have you ever thought about becoming a speaker? I am working on it. Um, not officially like a speaker, but I have, I actually spoke at a domestic violence event yeah. last night exactly. for the first time. So exactly. I'm just kind of coming out of my shell with it and going where I feel the need is. Congratulations. That's very, very, very good. I'll try to remember that because I'm planning on having something for women in December. I still can't decide what it is I want to do, but I'm looking for people that have a story to tell to help other women. I'm calling it women empowerment, but I was told that, wait, what kind of women? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just want <laughs> women. I was like, no, you can't just do women empowerment. I said, why not? But apparently you have to have like a an end goal. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Thank you so much, Jalisa. It's been real. Thank you so much for coming. And Thank sharing. you so much for creating the space. I know there's a lot of elements to my story, and that was only the half of it. But I it's, can imagine. It's now, welcome so to come back. Though, just know that you can always come back. <laughs> just talk about one of those many. You can just come back. Just send me an email or just make an appointment. You have the link, you know, and just come back and let's talk some more. Maybe in Absolutely. May, come back and talk about, you know, how you're feeling in May. Mm -hmm. Is that a deal? Definitely. Yeah, sounds okay. great. I'm going to put that <laughs> Very good in May. And I'll, I'll hold you to it. Okay. In May of 2020, if of 21, excuse me, if we're still, if we're all still here, because we don't know what the world is. <laughs> Girl. Especially after this election. Oh, Lord. <laughs> mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Well, thank you so much, ma'am. It was very nice to hang out with you. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. We just heard from Jalisa. She had so much packed into that nearly 40 minutes of talking. Hopefully you've been blessed by her words today. Hopefully you've learned a thing or two to speak up for yourself. And that self-care, like she said, is the most important call. And of course, that confidence is, you know, the most important clothes you can wear. And on that note, my name is Dr. Lulu. It's been real. Don't forget to leave us a, a review if you can. Subscribe, share the podcast with someone that you think it might resonate with. And 
join me um, every day on Facebook. We're talking about something usually. I don't know what we're going to be talking about today, but we're going to be talking about something. So I'll see you guys later. And um, hopefully you can share this podcast with somebody. Until then, toodles. Bye. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lulu. I just wanted to take a moment to wish you guys a very, very, very happy holidays. I know some say Merry Christmas, some say Happy Holidays. Don't judge me, right? I'm going to go with Happy Holidays because I want to summarize the Christmas as well as the New Year's. But more importantly, I wanted to say if you can hear my voice, if you can hear my voice today, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, I want you to take a moment to look up into the sky and just offer thanks. It has been a very trying year. It's been a crazy year. There's been a lot of loss, too much loss. But even in all of the clouds, there's still a silver lining. The silver lining is that you are here today, living, breathing, and able to hear my voice. So for that, let us give thanks. Let us hold space for each other hold space for ourselves, and just say thank you. So this episode drops on the day before Christmas. I want to say thank you for everything, for the blessings of listening to me all year long. I could not ask for a better, more loyal audience, but you guys have been there for me through thick and thin. When I'm crying and when I'm happy, when I'm sad and when I'm jumpy, when I'm energetic and when I'm not, Thank you all so much. So if you're listening to me and you are a woman and you are an immigrant in a country where you live, I want you to send me an email to askdrlulu at gmail.com. I am publishing, putting together an anthology and going to publish it in the first quarter of next year, an anthology of women immigrants. I want us to share our stories, to share our love and our journeys and our adventures and the ups and downs of how we found ourselves where we are today. So if you are a woman and you can hear my voice and you're an immigrant, or if you know a woman who fits that bill, send me an email, tell me who they are and I'll contact them or have them contact me. I'm working on anthology. It is so exciting. Finally, we're going to get something good that we can hold on to out of this year that has been so crazy. Again, I want to wish you and your family and everyone who's dear to you and those who are not a very happy and safe holidays. Remember, you are not stuck at home. You are safe at home. Bye. Hey, are you stuck in indecision? Is there something you've been wanting to do but are having a hard time deciding how to go about it? Maybe you wanted to write a book, you're having issues with your relationship, your kids, money. Maybe you want to quit your job but you don't know how to go about it. Hmm, you might need a life coach. Believe it or not, I just launched my life coaching business this year and I'm open to accept clients and we're having free consults.
So go to calendly.com forward slash Dr. Lulu. That's calendly.com forward slash Dr. Lulu and grab yourself a free 45 minute session. And I'll see you on the inside. Thank you.